Hey guys, welcome back to the Coliseum. As always, I'm Justin, and today I'm joined with four new people today, David, uh, Mezzi, Johan, and Karthik. So if you want to go ahead, we'll go down the line and introduce ourselves. So first on the list, we have David. Um, just go ahead and say a few things about yourself. Hey, I'm David. I am a friend of Justin from high school. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. Uh, Endgame you fucking say, sucks. Like, you know your college, or and, and and you know Endgame fucking sucks. That's all. That's all I gotta say. Hey, hey, hey. No, we're not. We're not even like five <laughs> minutes into the podcast, bro. You're already giving away like our main our, our main talking point, bro. Listen, the people need to know the truth, and that's all I'm here for is to, is to spread the truth. No. All right, we'll we'll get we'll get back to the to this debate later. But uh, Mezzi, what about you? Tell us a few things about yourself. Yo, what's good, y'all? My name's Mezzi. Uh, I'm a junior UNC studying physics and uh, poli sci. I hate I hate physics with a passion. Don't know why I'm doing it. Uh, but you already know, um, nerd when it comes to superheroes, Marvel or DC. All my opinions are right, so don't at me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just so hundred percent certified that guy. That's that's all. Guy. All right. Next up, we have Johan. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Johan. Uh, I'm an undergraduate and a junior at uh, Caltech. I major in astrophysics. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, summer's been kind of busy, so I haven't really kept up with sports all too much. But did see a couple of movies over the summer, so I'm interested to get a couple of opinions out on them. Sure, I'll piss someone off at some point, but that's fine. All right, and last but not least, we have Karthik. Uh, hey, I'm Karthik. I'm a junior at UNC. Uh, that's how I met Justin. I'm studying biomedical engineering. Uh, I got opinions from things ranging from soccer to basketball to movies, and I'm really excited to be on here. It's my first time. Yeah, awesome. So as you guys know, we've taken a long break since our last uh, podcast episode. Really apologize for that, uh, but finals did kind of uh, come and kick us in the butt uh, towards the end of last semester. And then summer break, a lot of us were busy with a bunch of stuff. But now we are back uh, with some new content. And kind of the big thing that uh, we want to discuss today is uh, the summer. Obviously, this summer we've had a bunch of bangers as far as movies went. So I kind of want to just talk about that a little bit uh, for the first section of this podcast. So we'll just start with um, the first movie that kind of came out this summer, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. So me personally, I thought that was an amazing movie, an amazing end to the whole Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. Uh, I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on uh, that movie. I thought uh, it was great. I, I think it's like the it, one of like the better movies that they've put out. might be the best movie that they've put out ever since they, uh, they ended their first three stages. Well, at least in my opinion, and um, yeah, no, I I think it's good whenever they when whenever you have a franchise that ends up wrapping up a series like that. I, I think that it was a, a good place for them to end it off uh, with the way they wrapped up things in the plot line. But um, yeah, I, I didn't really have any issues with it. I thought that the pacing was fine. I thought that everything else was fine, um, yeah, and I did I, like how they they wrapped up. They like tied in things from the first two movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Guardians 3, I feel like, in my opinion, Guardians 3 is probably, like, the best Guardians in the trilogy. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the story, I think the story was nice, uh, cohesive, not too overly complicated. There was an objective, uh, an objective that was not too hard to obtain, but not, not too easy. They didn't have to go through, like, some trials and tribulations. 
it gave Rocket a nice little like character development, gave um gave Peter nice character development, and it just it was just nice to see like all the guardians just like grow and like grow more into a family. And then like at the end realizing that like, you know, at some point a family's like just like break up and go on their own path. So I think yeah, it was a really good, it was a really good movie, honestly. Yeah, for sure. The best part about Guardians 3 was that it didn't really have to do anything else with phase four. So That's you could actually like just enjoy enjoy it as its own uh, movie, you know, as part of the yeah. Guardians trilogy. And you didn't and have to that, think about how much phase four is incomprehensible and weird. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. And that's something I generally appreciate with the Guardians movies is that they're not really trying to, like, I understand they're part of the MCU and, you know, James Gunn and co have to like put in some things to make sure that the audience still knows it's part of the MCU. But I like how most of these stories are very self-contained within each other and audience can go and watch without really having to worry about what else is going on in the, what is it, multiverse now or something? Or multiverse yeah, 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 or something? Yeah. I don't know whatever the hell Marvel's cooking up at this point. I've I've lost too many brain cells here, but I I loved Gar- I loved Guardians of the Galaxy oh. Volume Three. It makes me want to buy my own raccoon. And, um... <laughs> it was a, it was a really good like heartwarming story towards the end. Like the whole obviously like the stuff with the rocket raccoon being like experimented on and everything. Like I I did not expect like Marvel to go like places where they went to in Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Like they got like sure. uh, really like dark and gritty when they had to, um, to you know describe you know Rocket Raccoon going through all that experimentation by, uh, the high evolutionary right, and I thought like the whole balance between like the whole uh warmth of like the family dynamic between like all the members of the Guardians and also like the kind of like the dark places they kind of um explore in Guardians I thought that was a really beautiful balance, and um as you probably heard me say in like previous podcast episodes, I'm a big sucker for like good conclusions to, you know, trilogies or like sagas or whatever. And this was like, I couldn't have asked for a better conclusion to this uh, guardians trilogy. I thought this was really well made. And I'm glad that like, as you guys have mentioned that it's kind of like disjointed from the rest of the phase four, like chaos that's going on. Like, especially with that clusterfuck, which was and man of the wasp quantum mania. Like, I'm just glad that it didn't, like, fall into the trap of, like, forcing itself to have something to do with the, uh, what's it, multiverse or something about, like, time travel or whatever. Like, I'm just glad it didn't, like, go too heavy with the science fiction and instead was, like, a little bit more, like, uh, like relatively uh, grounded kind of conflict. Um, but still, it was, like, very that movie well was done. anything but grounded, like scientifically, <laughs> but yeah. No, I mean, like, comparatively yeah. to like the rest of the stuff we saw, like in phase four, like it's more, much more grounded. And that's why I liked it a lot more. Like, objectively, it's not grounded at all, but comparatively to the rest of the phase four, it is. Uh, I, I think, like, compared to Ant, any of the Ant Man stuff, it's it's grounded. But I, I, I think outside of that, there's like nothing. I, I, I think it still ends up like taking a lot of liberty with what it does. I I think it's only that's only a statement that really holds when you compare it and you hold it up to like Quantum Mania or, or some of the other stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was Can nice I... that it didn't try to expand on the Marvel universe that much, you know? Like it, yeah. it expanded yeah, on the Guardians universe. Whereas I feel like Quantum Media and Loki and some of these other projects are trying to make it 
available or like especially like uh multiverse of madness and things like that are trying to make it so they can add more characters so they can get to kang so they can figure out where the where they want the grand narrative to go yeah yeah and this movie was not concerned with that at all yeah i think that's why it felt more grounded because it wasn't about the cosmic state of the multiverse it was about these animals on a science barge in space right yeah yeah and like I, I said to... earlier, oh sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh my bad. Um, I know I also want to mention like, uh, I don't see a lot of people talking about this, but I what I think what made Guardians three like so like good was like how it tied in like other like Guardians movies slash other like MCU movies, like it tied like it ties in like um Yondu's like death from like uh was it Guardians two, and like how like um the I forgot his group's name the Ravagers or something. Um, yeah, yeah, and like how, like they still want to make like honor Yondu, make him proud. Um, and I also love how Peter Quill. Like, I think Peter, like Peter Quill, had like, great acting. Um, in this movie, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you can you can see just like how much turmoil and pain, um, uh, he was just in for like losing Gamora, and it reminded me of a quote, uh, Vision said in WandaVision where it's like, like what is grief but like love persevering you can see that like love not persevering yeah yeah yeah. you can just see that in peter just like you know like seeing gomorrah again but real but like he he just keeps trying to like make her like trying to see like they had a life together they were deeply in love you can see him just like they're just like groveling and just like just like like kind of like bargaining and like just like trying his best to like rekindle like rekindle the love they had and just it was just it was just nice that like they still included that kind of like emotional aspect from Endgame and yeah. Yeah. And kind of add on to that, um, going off of like, uh, what's it, Chris Pratt's acting in Guardians 3, I think the best part, like his best per- best part of his performance was definitely when Rocket was going to like critical condition and they were trying to save him. Like that part just like really had me in my feels because it was just like, it had me at the edge of my seat, and I was like, oh, crap, what's going to happen to Rocket? Is he going to die? And you could see Chris Pratt, like, he's, like, genuinely, like, terrified of the things that were going on to Rocket. Like, he was fighting for his life on that um, bed, right? And then yeah. finally, like, they were they recovered him, and the relief and everything, like, the, the emotional, like, the emotions that uh, Chris Pratt was, like, displaying, like, just felt so, like, real. It felt so authentic. 100%. beautiful beautiful performances all around honestly one one thousand percent i agree with that i think even james gunn his direction the way the story is and how relatively tight it is too it's not really trying to like you know like i think somebody else was saying before it's not trying to expand too much on the mc it wants to be its own movie it has its own identity i Mm -hmm. i go into this movie and i remember you know, I know what this movie is about. I'm not thinking about, oh, how does this connect to this place? And what implications is, no, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, okay, this is a movie with a tight script. And I like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well said. Um, But yeah, any last comments about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 before we go on to the next movie? Uh, I like that it's a bit of a darker movie compared to some of the other stage four movies. Like I that that to me was like a problem that I had with a lot of DC movies, which is that they try to come across as being too dark all the time. I felt that the like the ratio of like cheap gags and dark and like dark storytelling in this film was perfect. I, I for for what it was trying to go for. 
which I guess makes sense because it's a concluding film within a trilogy. So it does have to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those topics do tend to be a bit bittersweet. Um, yeah. So I, I, that's something that you could maybe just uh, attach towards the plot of the movie and not necessarily towards any of the direct production of the movie. But I would like to see more of that. Um, and obviously yeah. that's something that you only really get when you end up having a film that only focuses on established characters. Obviously the MCU can't keep doing that because they still need to fledge open space for other characters in the future. Because you can't just have actors and these characters just keep recurring over and over and over again. Because then yeah. you you make the whole franchise stale and you can't have that. So I, mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of the enjoyment maybe is simply because the other films have to do a lot of opening work for the whole franchise. And then just comparatively, it ends up being better. I wonder if the other film, if this was like a film that came in like stage three, if people would compare it as much to the other films that are being released right around now. Then I yeah. wonder if it would be more positive or if it would be more of a lukewarm review. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the next movie. Another like comic book movie banger across the Spider-Verse. So yeah what a what an amazing movie like beautiful animation from start to finish um so yeah anyone want to kick us off uh with this movie nope <laughs> i can i can start i can start um, yeah, yeah i think this i think this movie was i think it was perfect honestly i think from start to finish like you said justin the animation is beautiful and I think it's a step above the first movie in terms of in that regard, that animation, because now the animation, it's driving the story as well. It's becoming something. It's like its own living character within the movie. And you can tell with different characters, the um, the artists were using different palettes and different templates, different colors to reflect each of the Earths that each of the Spider-Men were in. And I think that was a very good artistic decision. And that really drove the story forward. And obviously the actual story itself, very well done. I'm very interested to see how they do beyond the Spider-Verse because I'm not too sure how they're going to top this, honestly. Yeah, I think for me, like the biggest um, thing that stood out for me was definitely like the animation was for sure like taking like everything that worked in the first movie, they kicked it up a notch uh, in this movie. And for me, like I honestly had like slightly mixed feelings about this. Um, Because like, like you said, like the animation was kind of told um or like in part by the the story was told in part by the animation and mm -hmm. i 100% agree with that um but in some cases i feel like they kind of like overdo it like i, I know y'all are going to like disagree with me but i kind of feel like they kind of overdo it in some places to the point where it's like a little bit distracting to the plot um like for example in the beginning when they're exploring like gwen stacy's world right they use yeah. like all kind of they use like the background colors and everything to um Oh, what's it like describe like the setting the whole like mood and everything and i think it's just a personal preference th preference kind of thing but i think it, it's low-key distracting from the plot um i just think that they rely too heavily on the on the palettes like in some specific scenes um to kind of like drive the story forward but other than that like animation was still top tier like i think it's still one of the most beautifully animated movies of all time Dude, i have um, so much to say about the Spider-Man movie, like one, I, I'm gonna, like I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but 
I think easily the soundtrack like just outclasses oh, the first one. I just I wanted to say that I wanted it, to talk about that it soundtrack. Is, it is like, perfect. It outclasses like Metro Boomin. He like I love Metro Boomin. He just like he's really just magic when it comes to like producing the soundtrack. Like just outclasses the first one in many ways because like if I feel like each like all the important characters and scenes had their own song, like Gwen Stacy's self love. I, and like she has obviously she has her own thing, but I feel like self love like definitely encapsulates um her her earth her reality. And uh, when that song was playing, I feel like I was really like entranced with it. I feel like Miles has a couple of good songs that like are like uniquely him. I feel like calling is a good song to describe like Gwen and Miles's relationship, and even the song that I was playing for like um Miles's dad's uh party about like being promoted like captain. Um, yeah, yeah. Silken Clone. I feel like that was like, like the the music like sound like had like a Spanish like like a Spanish like la- Latino kind of like like vibe to it, right? And it, and it perfectly fits too. So yeah. I feel like the music just like helped like entrance me into the movie. Um, I I feel like the plot was just like, like oh, damn near like perfect. I know people say like oh the spot was a useless villain, but I feel like that's really the opposite. He really drives the movie. I've actually never heard anyone say that. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was, I thought he was a very menacing villain. Like at first, I kind of think like he's some like Mickey Mouse villain, but then towards the end, you see like, oh crap! Like he's he's like actually insane. He's incredibly OP. I've seen people say it. I've seen people say like, oh, the spot for like the spot being like the main villain of the movie, he doesn't show up like ninety percent of it. I'm like, well, like I I guess, but like. The times that he does show up, like that's how you know, like like stuff is about to like go down, and that's how, like how like menacing and like how like dire the situation is, like it's so it's like it's kind of reminds me of like Infinity War, like like Thanos doesn't have to show up in every scene in the movie to know like how powerful he is, or to know right, how yeah. he is. That's just like if a villain could just like show up in like less than half the scenes in the movie, but still like command like a presence. That's how you know like the writing for that villain is really really good. And, exactly. Um, I also think like the whole like mile I like I noticed like on my couple other like couple other watch throughs of the Spider Man movie that there were like some parallels to the first one. Um mm. when in the first one when Miles like took that leap of faith to become Spider Man, you can see him like having like confidence and having like his own little like swag, right? Having yeah. his own kind of like style of swinging around. But and in the second one, Across the Spider-Verse, when Miles, like, finally gets back to his home, quote-unquote, um, the wrong Earth, and he's swinging, like, it mirrors, it kind of mirrors that, like, like the way he's swinging is, like, it's like he's confused, he's shooking yeah, up. Yeah, where, where he's, like, going around, like, the, what, the railway, and then he's, like, swinging through the city and all that stuff, and you have, like, a bunch of, like, those, um, like, different people kind of, like, showing on the buildings that he's swinging off of. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, is this where he hits the bus or the truck or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's also like remember like in the first one, like when he's swinging, like like as he's swinging, he's like running in between like these two cars. Right, like, right. That right. happens in the second yeah. one too. Like as he's swinging, he's kind of like running between the two cars, but he gets hit because like his mind is in the right place. He's, he's like the he's like distressed. So I feel like the second movie did like a really good way to like parallel parallel the first one and like show like the the dire consequences of it i yeah. think that 
And I also want to give a mention to the score, Daniel Pemberton's score of this movie. I think that was he hit it out of the park. Oh, with, for, with sure, for sure, for sure. Like all Stacey's the individual, theme. like the individual, like Spider Man themes. Like I think the big standout to me was definitely like the Spider Woman theme. Gwen Stacy. That was like theme, yeah. so Perfect. well made. Um, it was like a different, like it was kind of like a blend between like two different styles. Um, and it, like and one. That was... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was just saying, like, Spider-Woman, you have, like, all these, like, different influences kind of making um, her theme, which I thought was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Even, like, the spot theme, um, like, the opening credits, like, this this is just, like, a banger after banger for the score. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really, really well made. Um, and, and and I, 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 mean, no. I don't mean to cut you off. You go ahead, Karthik. No, no, sorry, sorry. I'm keep on cutting you off because I really like this theme. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just saying, like... Um, even like in the first movie, you had like insane, um, you know, insane writing from Daniel Pemberton too, um, mm-hmm. and I think like the big standout, like the big thing I remember from the first Spider-Man movie was like the opening credits of that movie, because like you know you go into that movie think it's like I'm not gonna lie when I first went into that movie I did not think too highly about this movie I thought it was just gonna be mm-hmm. like you know a standard like animated movie whatever right right and then, like, just for right kids from the get go. Right from the get-go, you're, like, completely, like, invested in the animation because of just that first opening credit scene where they have, like, all the glitching and then shows, like, the, uh, uh what's it, Earth-42 spider and it always hints at that at the beginning. And then you have, like, all these, um, I, I don't know what to describe, but it's, just, it's like, a, a really, like, glitchy type of animation um, from right, the, right. from the uh, opening credits. And I, I'm like, whoa, this is, like, going to be completely different from what other movies i've seen but it's yeah. a purposeful it's a purposeful choice exactly think, exactly it was really really was, really good and i think going back to mezzi's point about this, this is like at the end of the second movie right it's like there's a scene right earlier right with miles and gwen and gwen tells miles to thread the needle right Mm-hmm. and it's this really nice scene has mona lisa playing in the background also amazing song on the soundtrack love that song yeah but when Miles is coming back, it's not only reflecting, you know, the first um, the first movie with, you know, the leap of faith and all that. I think it's also reflecting Miles' headspace and he is distressed, as Mezzi was saying, and he doesn't thread the needle that in, when he gets hit by the bus. He doesn't yeah, thread that needle this time. Because you're no longer focused a- on being like, you know, kind of like, I guess, like the, the next level of himself. Yeah. He's more on like you know saving his dad who's like about to die by the spot right right exactly and i think that was a very subtle choice or not even subtle i think it was very intentional but they didn't really very intentional choice by the animators and i think it was very well done yeah i will say like this is kind of like a hot take um Mm -hmm. the one thing that kind of stood out to me in spider-verse like we mentioned this a lot but the uh, leap of faith scene in into the spider-verse i don't think you can top that scene because you, you have like it, it is perfect you have like like what's up danger it's like one of the best songs if not the best song off of that album and then you have mm-hmm. like that beautiful animation like the upside down new york scene like when he's like jumping off the building and he's like kind of floating right. like yeah. upside down it's like Dude. everything about that just makes me feel like you know pumped up and everything right i really it's had that just, scene as my wallpaper yeah oh dude God. it is so it's so iconic it's so good but uh, um 
I, I love that scene to pieces. I agree. And Mezzi, I like the fact that you use the word wallpaper specifically because the directors, I think they were talking about this, is that, and this goes back to the animations, that one of their main goals is they want you to like, you can pause any scene in that movie and you can make it a wallpaper. Exactly. It's yeah. so sick. Like one of the perks of, of making an animated movie because you, I mean, when you have like traditional, like, uh, I guess capturing within films, you end up getting the inherent blurring between mm -hmm. all the frames. So when you hand animate each frame, each frame is like crystal clear. Uh, so you don't get any of the aberrations that you would typically see when you look at different uh, different slides. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, this um, that scene is just like literal perfection. I don't think is possible to top that in any other, like, like even in Beyond the Spider-Verse, I don't think you can top that scene. I Like, if you can't, if they end up doing it, like, this is, this will be hands down the greatest comic book trilogy of all time hands for down sure. for sure uh sorry i keep talking about this movie it's just it excites me so much. yeah not beyond the spider-verse like it's my favorite movie to this year like 100 percent. i think it was the best movie i've watched this year for sure um see like i'll take though i did not i don't like Gwen, the spider-woman theme really you didn't okay wow <laughs> what about it I don't know. It just doesn't do. Um, I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Just like it just like just doesn't sit right. It just doesn't sit right for me. I feel like I don't know, maybe I'm just like not one of those like people who likes music without like actual lyrics to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why. I see. I see. Like, would you say it's maybe because like, so like, what's it? Um, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, right? He has like a very like you know menacing theme, and you kind of have yeah. like futuristic like hints at it. And then Miles Morales, you have like, like more like of a glitchy kind of a uh, theme. Like I guess the other Spider Men kind of have like more like, uh, I guess like tech inspired themes. Do you feel like this is kind of like a little bit different than that? Maybe. Also, I feel also like for the uh, Spider Woman theme, I feel like it was like a mashup of a lot of things that like it didn't know like it like I couldn't like know like. I guess it kind of showed like it being a mashup of like multiple different like like sounds and stuff like kind of like resembles like Gwen character, but like I feel like the like too many things are like conflicting in the theme, so I couldn't like I couldn't like truly like enjoy it because I kept like because when I would get when I would get like used to like one part of the theme like it would just like switch up like either like to like a really fast like pace and then I just like not like yeah, yeah. my concentration and stuff. That's fair. I think, like, I guess it just, like, kind of sits differently with different people. Like, yeah. like, me personally, I think it, like, the different, like, blends of, like, the different, um, I guess, components of the song, I think that blend, like, really works. But I guess for other people, it just doesn't sit too well with them. Yeah. I, I intentionally like how messy the, the theme can be at times. Like, I, mm -hmm. like, that, to me, makes it the best one that I've heard. But yeah, I could see how it sits differently for them. Yeah. I, I, I also think, like yeah. generally like do prefer songs that don't have drums. So oh. all end up sitting well. I, I especially favor like production quality for the music. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that's, point, fair. yeah. that's fair. I really do appreciate like the amount of work that actually goes into making a theme like that that can be that messy, but doesn't end up really trampling over itself all too much to the point where it becomes incohesive. Like, 
Wait, so Johan, you listen to like a lot of Flume, right? Yeah, I listen to a of Flume. <laughs> yeah, that kind of like um that Discord um like type of song, like where everything kind of just like seems like uncoordinated, it works sometimes, right? I would say, well, I don't think Flume is a uh, like the best example to use just simply because it's, really? okay. I, I think he's like the very, very, very far extreme. Because I mean, some of the stuff that he does make does end up not working, in my opinion. But uh, usually, it's his production quality that ends up pulling everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just the fact that like he's able to like incorporate all like these different sounds, like, and then just puts them together in like a very like very unorthodox way, which just seems interesting. It's it's a very interesting way to like listen to music. I mean, we're going off like a very big tangent here. Like, I guess I can like bring it back. Kind of... I can bring it back. All right, all right, David, bring us back. Well, because the whole movie and well, the series in general is about the uh, different eclectic styles bringing it into one single project because right. it's the yeah. Spider Verse, right? We're going to all these. That's different... true. That's why all the characters have their own different animation styles. That's why Toby isn't like half the frame rate as everybody else because he's magazine strips because he's a punk character. It ties all all the different aesthetic elements of what births these characters, these different Spider-Men and then puts mm -hmm. them all in the same universe, right? That's the whole yeah. point. And then you throw Miles in there who isn't supposed to be there and you get the actual drama. That's, that's where the actual story comes from. And that's why it's fun. But I'm curious to hear the what y'all think is going to happen in the next one because this movie very much is not done and yeah, I just feel like I can't have an opinion on how I feel about this movie until I get an actual conclusion in the next movie. Which I, is you know what? That's, that's fair. That's fair, honestly. Because yeah. I remember walking out of the theater, I was talking to one of my friends, right, and he was saying that like if. Beyond the Spider Verse is as good as this movie, if not better, then both these movies would be like ten out of ten movies. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily agree that this is a ten out of ten movie, but I do agree that it's definitely like one of the best, if not the best, animated movie I've ever seen. I think it is a ten out of ten movie. No, but... Puss in is better. <laughs> okay, Puss in Boots is pretty good, but no, that, that doesn't count as summer movie. You can't get away with it. It's better. Okay, buddy. Okay, buddy. Um, I don't, I don't, it's I'm hard to like compare Puss in Boots to this film because Puss in Boots is just a standalone movie. Well, I guess it's no, not, it's not technically. It's, <laughs> it's not, not entirely a standalone movie. But for the for the most part, like the thematic elements that are covered within the movie are self-contained to the movie, and I don't think the characters are presented in a way where you have to have the background from the other. Right, so. that's why it's a that's why it's a better single movie. I'm not saying that it's a better franchise. Oh, oh, and that well, okay. Well, yeah, okay. I guess like if that, that's then. the case, like as a standalone movie, like yeah, I guess it's better. But I still feel like even if you haven't watched Into the Spider Verse, there's still a lot to appreciate in Across the Spider Verse. I really yeah, disagree wait. because they I, don't I'm explain really... what the fuck is going on. They're just kind of like, yeah, you well, know. That's the whole point, though. Is you haven't you haven't seen the last one yet, so yeah, it's, I, yeah. the whole point that's, is to that's like my point. for a conversation to to see where you think it'll go. Because I like one of the like the biggest sins that a movie can commit is letting too much or letting too much of the plot out early. You have to have the audience have because if you if you say everything outright, then you lose all the suspense, in the film. and then when you lose the suspense, then you lose all the. Content. So 
I, okay, I could like respect the fact that you want to see the last one to make an assessment of this film, mm -hmm. but but I, I I don't think that that's fair to the film to to yeah you know not not assess it accordingly solely because it's part of a truth. Okay, well, I still think that Empire is the best of the original trilogy for the for Star Wars, right? But it's yeah. only good because of what happens after it. That's that's why I, I like. The Last Jedi, but I hate what it does for the rest of the franchise. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah I can, that makes having an opinion on a single piece of a whole is different, and that's what that's the semantic I'm arguing here. Is that? Yeah, I guess. Like, so I guess your main thing is like parts of one movie can definitely like bleed out into like the movies kind of surrounding it, and because of what? that, you can't just solely make an opinion off of just one movie. Like in, in the grand scheme of like the whole, in a story that is explicitly in more than one film, like I I think it's the way you're phrasing it can confuse it with like an MCU movie where it's it has a narrative role that like hints and like alludes to different projects in the universe, whereas mm -hmm. like Spider Verse is like part one, part two, part three, and then it's all contained in itself, right? Um. My point is that, like, I like where it's going, but we're not at the the finish line yet, right? Got you. So you think it's more fair to, like... Okay, I feel like the first Spider-Man, though, doesn't necessarily, like, leave you on a cliffhanger. I feel like if you watch... Spider-Verse? First... Which, which first Sorry, Spider-Verse. Spider <laughs> my bad, my bad. Well, I think that makes sense, because, like, if you're a studio film, right, and you're planning a trilogy... Well, you have to see how the first one performs, right? So it's That's safe true. to That's write true. it. It's not a good thing. But that, yeah, why, that would make it. That would make more sense as to why people would prefer the first one, simply because it it may have been the case that it bombed, and then the second one ever happened. Yeah. So you yeah. have to write That's it. Fair. That's fair. So you, also, David, you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The the first Spider Verse movie, even outside of, um, beyond the Spider Verse, uh, is an amazing film. As a, on its own right, like even with its cliffhanger ending, it's it's not as reliant on the second film as the second film is on the third. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you think it's more fair to like, like let's say you were to give this a rating, you think it would be more fair to give a rating for the entire trilogy over like giving a rating for just the second movie itself? Yes. It'd be like okay. it'd be like saying that the Matrix Two sucks because you haven't seen the third one not because of the not just because matrix two and three are more philosophical experiments than they are movies mm -hmm. anyway, that's fair that's, that's, a, fair. that's a different honestly honestly conversation. I, I can respect that i can respect that because like the like two is definitely like it's definitely not a movie like i'd recommend to watch by itself like if you haven't seen the first one for sure but i do think that like for what it does for like the animation, I guess, industry and for things like that, and for what it does to advance, like kind of do more world building to what you have in like the first movie. I think it's definitely like definitely a like a movie, it's like it's a must see movie if you've seen the first one. But if you haven't yes. seen the first one, then the first I one's already a must see. So what do you exactly yeah. the next then the next suggestion would be this like the first one. Watch the first one, then watch the second one, and then you know what? When the third one comes out, and if it's just as good as the first and second, if not better, 
then it's going to be watch the first, watch the second, watch the third, all in one go. Exactly. No breaks. You shouldn't take a break, though. It's it's amazing. It's a exactly. great movie. Exactly. No bathroom breaks, nothing of that sort. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's going to be banger after banger after banger. Exactly. Uh, you know what? That's... What is what is a... You know what? You're going to get your relief watching the movie, all right? Exactly. Exactly. But, Destin, um... I have a... I have a... Wait, so you said that you felt that the the movie used the animation as a crutch for like conviction. Kind of, kind of. Like, I'm certain, like why do you think that's the case? Because I think that the animation like it I think it's a critical point of the film. It definitely no, it is. But I will like the thing is what I liked about the first movie is that it it definitely presented itself as like a unique movie because of the way they made like they styled the animation and everything. And I thought that was, like, a perfect balance between, like, you know, like, more calm, I guess, animation with also, like, in fight scenes, you have, like, more, like, chaotic animation. But it's still, like, it's still, like, easy to decipher. Um, The thing is, like, I feel like when you're doing some of the world building, like, especially in Gwen's world, we've never seen Gwen's world before, right? And then automatically it's kind of, like, dictated by um, the different, like, background colors that you see, like... You know, in Gwen's world, it's all like very like pink heavy, which to me it didn't exactly. I, I can understand like for for a lot of people it worked, but for me I I kind of felt like it was distracting. Um, and I just think that you know if they, what do you think, think it like distracted the, you from? I think it just distracted me from like, kind of understanding the setting, of the of the whole. Well, so you're saying that the so you're saying the aesthetic of the setting distracted you from the setting. I guess I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But doesn't this also? But doesn't the I mean, also help set it set Gwen's world different from Miles's world? No, yeah, the coloring yes. is supposed to reflect the emotions of the characters. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. And it's I that, felt like... that the background, the the actual setting, stood out best when there was no dialogue. So that's mm -hmm. why it confused me as to why you were saying it was distracting. It was such a brilliant there's, choice. There's like objectively nothing to distract you from. That's the whole point of having the setting first and foremost in, in one's world. Dude, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like there was like there were like a couple parts of it where like, you know, she's going to like the subway, but like it's all white and everything. And I was like, uh, it, it kind of felt like a bit much. I like, felt like I could I I, like, I I can agree. I can agree that it's definitely like it's a good choice. But, like, the question is, to what extent can you, like, push the animation to the point where it becomes, like, I don't know, kind of, like, overdone? I think... Go ahead, go ahead. Can that be, like, saying, like, for, like, an animated, saying, like, the animation being, like, too, like, too animated is, like... <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm probably not the right guy to ask, but, I mean, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. I, I just don't watch anime, right? But... If it's too animated, right? It's like, I guess, like because it's an animated movie, it's fine. And like, I'm not saying it's like, it's like a major problem of the movie, right? I'm just saying like, it was just, I don't know, a little too much. That's all I'm I, saying. I think what the animation is doing, right? It like Johan was saying, it's reflecting her emotional state, right? And you're saying that it's a lot. And I agree with you that it is a lot. But I think that's the point that the animators are trying to convey here. It's similar to what her theme is trying to do too, which I know, uh, I think Mezzi was saying, it is a lot in that theme, right? It's it's a lot. Gwen is going through, Gwen is a complex character. She's going through a lot. 
And I think the animators and composers of the music, they're trying to show that in these very different ways, other than this, you know, just dialogue and talking, because any anybody can do that. But I think with her world and how they put the colors and like, yeah, it's a little messy, but I, I mean, like she's telling about how she lost her best friend. Yeah, I would think her emotional state yeah. is kind of messy, too. I also feel like the setting of Gwen's world matters even even less, actually, because like we're kind of seeing we're seeing like like Garth mentioned like the emotional state, how the color and the music is supposed to like highlight I like that because we're not spending an over like amount of time in Gwen's world. Like we're just seeing like how she deals with the verifications of losing her Peter and like being away from Miles. We're not seeing and we and we see like some of her band and stuff, but um like the the main point like the intro like isn't like staying in Gwen's world like like the first half is Gwen's movies like just showing like where her mind is at. Yeah, I think I mean I don't know like you also kind of get the same I mean you also have like different complexities with other characters too, like Miles absolutely right, but I feel like the I don't know for me I just felt like the animation for like the whole like um what's it like kind of describing his emotional state of mind or whatever. I felt like it was good. It was like the perfect amount. They didn't overdo it. And I don't know for Gwen, like it was like kind of like a heavy, like hit right from the get go with mm. the movie. That's just me though. That's just me though. Like y'all are like obviously entitled to your own opinions, but me personally, me personally, but what's wrong with the heavy hit Wait. at the start of a movie? Why, Dude, did, like, why was that bad? Because that's what your tone is saying, but you haven't actually said why. <laughs> why is it like? Why is it bad that I just kind of like, it, like I get hit with like a bunch of like, like a world of like um what's it Gwen Stacy's world just like dictated by like all these colors and everything. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. It's just like I just think it's distracting. Like I just like I said, I just think that. I want to know more about like, you know, you start off with Gwen Stacy, right? And she's in a band and whatever. And I kind of want to just know more about like her setting. And I feel like we don't get enough, I guess, time or like to like really understand her emotions. We kind of just like the colors just say, like, I, I feel like the colors say this. So we kind of have to believe it. And I don't know. I, I prefer like it being more like explicitly told. Yeah. So I'm curious if you would like let's say let's say in the next film you spend time in like Black Noir's world. Do you think a like grimy, like all black background in Black Noir's world would be more palatable than Gwen's back? Because if there's inherently like yeah, there's inherently less information encoded into a background like the one that you would have in like Black Noir's planet. Mm-hmm. So would that be like more palatable for you to see? So I think it just comes down to like what his backstory is. So if it's if it ends up becoming some kind of like complex backstory where he loses like a loved one, um, then I then obviously like something more like bleak would be, you know, something that I definitely want to see more of, like when describing like the setting or whatever. I but I do think that like if it's like completely like pitch black and everything and it's just kind of like the setting kind of just becomes like i don't know kind of thrown away like it doesn't matter that's when i kind of like question like is this like a really good choice uh, so 
I think it just comes down to like, can you balance out like telling where the setting is and also like the colors you use to describe it? Can you find that balance like and actually, you know, convey the story without compromising on anything? So so what did you think of Hobie's background? I well, we didn't really get much background of him. You you get we like just, a like a short blurb. It's like a one to two minute segment. If it's just like one to two minutes, like I don't care like what kind of um uh what's it like what kind of colors or like um i guess history you kind of show as long as i understand the character like to some like minimal extent i don't care like you have like a bunch of those like small blurbs in the first movie where you in introduce you know uh well what's it like penny parker or spider ham all those characters right you have like a bunch of the like so small comic book strips they kind of go over for like a minute or so right that's good enough information right but yeah. you start off the movie with Gwen Stacy and I kind of want to know more about like her world and all that stuff. But like, it's all kind of overshadowed by like these pink and white colors that I just, that I feel like try way too hard to convey the emotion. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a bad choice, but I do think that in making this choice, they did kind of go overboard. But that, I mean, again, like that's just, that's just me. Uh, David dropped from I don't know what. Oh, he dropped. Oh, yeah. That's. I don't know if it's like. I don't know if it's like number one or I think. Hopefully, he joins back. Yeah, hopefully. Um, one more thing. This is kind of unrelated, but um, I just noticed we were talking about that scene where um, Miles Morales, like he's trying to, he's like in the fake home, right, and he's trying to um go back to like, or he's trying to go back to his like what he thinks is his home, but it's not his home, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I right. just saw the score. I saw the score at that moment. The score is called like the score what they're playing. It's called "Falling Apart," mm -hmm. and I think that's very beautiful because that's what Miles is feeling right now, right? He's falling. Yeah, apart. you literally know. see that like as he's like going through New York trying to find his like flat or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then know, you see I've... like a bunch of these buildings like falling down, like like kind of he's all like claustrophobic and everything's falling down on him. And then there's like this one scene where like he's um like swinging and everything kind of falls um on him, but then he immediately like breaks through like one window, kind of like overcoming all of that. I thought like all of like the overwhelming emotions, all the people like people's like voices like overlaying each other, kind of like speaking to Miles. I thought that was like really well done, and you really mm -hmm. like see like kind of like a physical, uh, I guess like response. Yeah, to like all of these like things that are in his head, also, by like him swinging through all of this and all that stuff. Uh, when he was like swinging and like, and like the fake home, it seemed like he was like almost like running running away from all the issues mm -hmm. to like return to his, like, right, home, yeah, yeah, like turn to like like the people who like love him most, who like like try to understand him the most. And then mm -hmm. I wanted to add like like a personal like a personal touch to like Miles. Uh, the reason why I like my like Miles Morales as a character, when he got to his like fake home and like talking to his like fake mom, talking about like, yeah, like he, like you told me about like how I'm gonna end up in a place where like no one's gonna like want me there or respect me there and stuff, and I gotta like prove myself. And he's saying like, oh, I I ended up in that place and I beat them all. I feel like that's a, I feel like that was just not just like a message. I feel like whoever like wrote that speech or wrote that monologue, they really cooked on that. Uh, yeah. I feel like 
like they really close on that. I feel like that can be taken for like a lot of things for a lot of things in like life now. You can just like you know there'll be times where people just like overly just don't like you, or there'll be times where like you'll be faced with a bunch of like prejudices and stuff. So uh-huh. I, like like metaphorically or sometimes even like literally just gotta like start like beating them all to prove yourself. I feel like that's just like one of those like memorable scenes for me in this movie. Like yeah, I mean. I don't even think about it like that, but that's a actually really That's beautiful, man. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I definitely do agree that 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 scene in particular where he's talking about like going to a place where he kind of feels like unwanted, but he still beats everyone. Like that yeah. definitely can be applied to like a bunch of, uh, you know, conversations, scenarios in like you know the modern day. So yeah, I don't, I don't really think about it like that. That's dude. I did not think about that. that is amazing. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You cooked, bro. You cooked. Yeah, exactly. Mezzy cooking on the podcast today. Preach, my boys. Preach. Yeah. Uh, any last comments on the on across the Spider Verse? Because we are kind of like nearing the end of our time today. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. Did not yeah. realize we, we can do yeah, all. We can always by, do. Guys. We can always do a part two and part three, right? Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Now we can definitely yeah. uh, do like another part to like the movies today. Obviously, like I wanted to get to as movies as possible, but, like. You know, across the Spider Verse, we had a lot to say about that movie. We, we um, but hopefully, like, in, a, in a later episode, we can talk about uh, what's it, Barbenheimer, and oh other stuff this uh, I summer. Feel like, I feel like those two movies will take up another pod and take up another yeah, podcast no, part- just by themselves. I, yeah, I have exactly. so much to say about Barbenheimer. I know, yeah. I know, but yeah. Uh, to all our viewers uh, on the Coliseum, uh, be tuned for the next episode. We're definitely gonna talk about Barbenheimer. Maybe some other movies that came out this summer, and you know, sports seasons, the NFL, uh, NHL, uh, what's it, NBA, all those are starting back up again pretty soon. So be tuned for more uh, preseason predictions, um, and we'll definitely like, you know, continue talking about sports as seasons you know progress. Um, but I guess uh, if anyone has anything um, last minute to say, like, go ahead. Uh, across, uh, across, across the Spider Verse is better than Guardians Three. True. All right, that is. I that agree. Is... Yeah, I agree with that. Huh. Yeah. Like, I, okay. I, okay. Like, I no, I I okay. I I I disagree, but I think both of them are really good movies. No, yeah, no. Say what sure. say what you think. Say what you think. <laughs> I think I think like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like like I said, I'm a sucker for a good conclusion, and Guardians of Cal- Galaxy Three were really resonated with me i think it just really hit hard for me like across the spider-verse i kind of walked out of the theater like damn that's a cool movie right that was a really like well made well put together movie for what um purpose it served right i think all the thematic elements of it were you know really good um animation music all really well done i think it did kind of lack in like the emotional aspect like yes you did have that scene that's crazy no, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think that, like, the scenes, like, where he's, like, that last scene, like, the, I guess, the Across the Spider-Verse version of that Leap of Faith scene, I thought that was, like, you know, kind of, like, the peak of, like, those emotions building up. But I didn't, like, I don't know. Nothing really, like, I, I, okay, here, I'll say that at the end of Across the Spider-Verse, that scene was like, damn, that was beautiful, beautiful to watch, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I just like, 
I just could not stop thinking about like the like raw emotions that I felt in that movie. Like I never, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been like really that emotional over like any MCU movie, but that one like, like really hits hits the home. It hits different. It It hits different. And I think it just, honestly, I'm not saying like, I'm not like debating on which one's like, you know, which one has like better thematic elements or whatever. This is just purely based off of my personal opinion. And I just think that the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had me thinking about things like kind of beyond the movie itself. So I I just think that that kind of hit closer to home for me. You have like, you have, you talk about things that aren't really like discussed that much in the other MCU movies. Like you talk about family, you talk about abuse, you talk about like, you know, ethics and all this stuff like you just have like a wide you have a lot of things that i kind of just like think a lot deeper on because of this movie right like family walking walking out of the movie guardians of the galaxy 3 i thought was like oh it's a pretty good movie and then i let it marinate in my head and i'm like wow this is like this makes me think about a lot of these things a lot deeper compared to like when i just walked out of the theater across the spider-verse like i didn't really think about anything like nothing new came to mind when i let it like marinate in my head if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, and I think that that's a result of how they're composing this movie too, right? Exactly. Because it is a it is a part one of like a one two punch. Right? Exactly. So it just comes down to like what purpose the movie serves. Right. And, and I think it's a very good one. It's a very good one. I'm waiting for two. Exactly. Exactly. That and again, in saying that Guardians of the Galaxy three, I think is better than Across the Spider Verse. I am not saying that Across the Spider Verse is a bad movie by any means. I think that it is still one of, if not the greatest animated movie of all time. For sure. For sure. I just think I, because I think, Guardians think, of the Galaxy. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think that a lot, um, there, there are definitely like a lot of expectations going into that third movie. Um, I'm trying to like set my expectations to a reasonable level, but realistically, I'm not going to contain my expectations because the first one was a banger. The second one was also a banger. Third one, it just has to complete that trilogy. I think, think you should true? have high expectations for it because they delayed it for the sole purpose of actually. Right. Yeah, well, no, I know, I know it's been it. through, like, especially due to like the writer strike and everything, it's been gone through like yeah. a couple of days, which completely understandable. Like, I know that you know the animators have been going through like so much oh, um, just to oh. get this movie delivered on time, and they definitely delivered. It was beautiful animation, right? Something mm-hmm. that I've just never seen in a movie before. They took whatever. You know, worked in the first movie and kicked it up a notch in the second movie, um, and you know, in large part, it worked. It really, it really did work, right? Um, and obviously, like as a fan from a fan's perspective, it kind of sucks that it's being delayed. But you know, as someone who's writing that movie, like obviously, you're putting a lot of effort into like every single frame of animation, right? So naturally, like it's gonna take time, and you can't, you know, be overworked and be rushed into making a masterpiece an end to a trilogy right for sure yeah and i think also you know the animators like you said they've been going through hell you know just trying to get these things out you know with the reports that have been coming out of what it was like in those rooms and all that exactly so you know if you know this third movie i do want it to be i want it to be good but i also want to you know I want the animators to, you know, not feel like, you know, they've 
had to go through hell just to make this movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, any last comments before we uh, end this episode for today? None here. Nothing here, I'm good. All right, well, as always, uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of The Coliseum. And like I said, uh, hopefully in our next episode, we will uh, continue this conversation about all the movies that have dropped this past summer. Uh, hopefully next uh, podcast episode, we can talk about Barbenheimer. Um, but yeah, until then, we really appreciate you guys tuning into this episode of the Coliseum. As always, I'm Justin. And until the next episode, peace. Peace. Thank you.